would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance, connect, and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in from today, I want to say thank you. Thanks for being part of this exploration into people's lives who have been touched by their time at Yarra Valley Grammar. My name's Paul Joy. I'm the current chaplain at Yarra Valley Grammar, a role which I love, a role which affords me the privilege of being on a journey, a journey with many, not only of my colleagues, but students and their families often. And it's terrific to once again have the opportunity to sit down with another yog, a Yarra old grammarian, and reflect a little on their journey, their pathways through school, but but then also the choices and decisions they've made since leaving Yarra Valley Grammar. Reese Jewell from the class of 1992 joins us today and we're going to chat about all things literary. We're going to chat about success. We're going to maybe even tiptoe down the realm of uh, sport and the likes and maybe the dislikes, the comforts and the discomforts that sport can bring to some people. I'm going to begin by asking Reese about his memories of the school uniform. Here's Rhys Jewell, and we say welcome. And Rhys, tell us a little of your memories of the school uniform. It's an interesting place to start, Paul, but happy to do it. Um, the, the uniform for me was um, actually uh, better than what I had experienced in primary school. Um, I joined in um, year seven in 1987. Um, and my memories of the school uniform, it was very grey at the time. I think we had grey shirts, grey jumpers, grey shorts, grey pants. But from memory, I think there were still a few of the um, older blazers floating around. Uh, one of my friends that I got to know in year seven, I'm pretty sure he had a purple or a, a, a similar colour blazer um, from the early days of the school. Um, but by the time we got to wear blazers, they were black. Um, but that was in the middle school. Uh, but I, I've had fond memories of the uniform. Uh, I, I don't have any issues with it. That's good. So how are you, how are you at tying a tie? Do you have to wear, wear tie a tie these days? Uh, well, I used to have to tie a tie every day, but um, some five or six years ago I dispensed with the tie. None of my clients wear them. Uh, very few people in the office wear them, so I, I stopped wearing them. But um, at school, I got quite adept at uh, tying my own tie um, early in the piece. Um, we used to joke we had a, a very, uh, who remains to this day, a very good friend of mine who never learnt to tie a tie all the way through Yarra Valley. So the running joke was that while we're off at PE, you'd be the first one back to the tog rooms and you'd undo his tie and uh, <laughs> that'd ruin him for the rest of the day. Yeah, he's gone. And, and of course, people are happy to play the joke, but never help him out to do it for him. No, absolutely not. You'd like to see him squirm. That's exactly what that, that was the point. <laughs> that's that's what happens. Uh, the, the old change rooms and uh, the boys coming back from PE. I, I get it. I understand that. Um, tell me a little bit. Were you the first in your family to come to Yarra or, or did you have an older brother? Like what drew you to Yarra? Why did you end up coming to Yarra? Um, I was the first in my family to go to Yarra. Uh, my brother did actually follow me the year behind, um, but I was the first. 
Uh, my parents live locally. I grew up in Wonga Park. Um, I went to uh, uh, Yarra Road Primary School locally in Croydon. Um, my parents knew um, uh, uh, one of the parents at the school who actually was on the staff, who then became the principal at Yarra Valley. Um, and so they had, a, I think they understood the school fairly well. And my parents both worked very, very hard and made a lot of sacrifices to send both uh, my brother and I to, uh, to Yarra Valley. And um, I think that they, they, they seem to tell me now that uh, they, they reap the rewards now. They think they made the right decision. Oh, that's, that's encouraging, isn't it? Um, it also lends me to suggest that maybe were there times when they doubted their decision? Were you a bit of a rascal? Were you getting into trouble in the uh, principal's office from time to time? Oh, not so much a rascal. I think I probably got into my fair share of trouble. Um, uh, I had a really great, close group of friends um, at, at school. Um, in actual fact, I probably had two or three groups of friends uh, that I, that I um, uh, mixed between, but uh, I don't. I've gotten a fair bit of trouble with um, those various groups, but nothing, nothing serious or anything like that. I think I was called to Neville Lincoln's office maybe once or twice, um, but that was probably for uh, um, yeah, shenanigans outside of the school. But no, it was a not 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 so much a rascal, um, but really enjoyed my time at the school. Um, uh, it was a yeah, it was a fabulous time. Yes, and and you, you're right. Your friends, the people who you choose to hang out with, they do influence. The, the activities you get involved in, maybe the, the trouble that you or the experiments that you um, might uh, try. What would you say, um, because I'm, I mean, I'm a parent at, at Yarra now. I'm also a, a staff member here at Yarra. And part of the reason why we have chosen to become part of the Yarra family is it's almost similar values. You know, we're hoping that our our children are growing up with friends and getting, you know, linking in with others who are, who are going to share with families of similar value, you know, that they aspire to, to do their best, um, whatever that might be. Do you, do you recall some of the things you took away from your friendships groups? You know, even if it's particular music you were listening to, was there certain values that you held tight together was a, a sport that you got involved in because of the people you were hanging out with? Um, yeah, I think... I think on all levels that you've just described, um, you have you, you find I think your own level um, with the people that you interact with, and I don't think it's um, confined to your time at school. It's uh, as you go through life. Um, that's just how uh, you tend um, you tend to uh, mix with and uh, feel most comfortable with those that share um, similar values to you, enjoy the same sorts of activities. Um, so back at school, um, yes, we were all listening to the same music. Um, I'm still a big fan of bands like U2 and In Excess uh, because they were those they were the bands that we were listening to uh, while we were at school. And the friends that I still have from school days, um, we all still enjoy that same music even today. And um, uh, for good or, or worse, we, we actually inflicted upon our children. And um, uh, my my daughter is actually now. She would confess that she's a, an 80s and 90s sort of music uh, lover rather than anything of the modern era. Yeah, okay. And, and you're quite right. It is because that's what what you grow up with. And then, of course, you, you, you have a, a, a particular drawing into that. And so you play that around in your own kids some of the time. And, and it is, I love it, that, that the music we used to listen to comes back and now our kids are singing it and, and, and actually... <laughs> Back in my day, it sounded a little different, but it's, you know, you can sing along and you know the lyrics and uh, it's good fun. It's good fun for sure. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And look, uh, as, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I, 
I think you find um, your, your own feet at school and if you're fortunate enough and um, uh, one thing that I have learned in still touching base with a few um, of the more indirect people that I went to school with, I think it is still the case that there are still quite close groups of friends um, uh, that came out of 1990, the year 1992. Um, I've still got um, five, six friends that I'm regularly in contact with. We travel together. Our, our children have become friends and it's all stemmed from our time at Yarra Valley. And I think it comes back to your point that um, you gravitate towards the people that you really want to spend the most time with. And um, if that's yeah. the case, then you'll continue to do it. For sure, absolutely. One of the things that uh, does happen when you come to Yarra as a year seven student, very quickly you get involved with Saturday sport and that's often a new uh, phenomenon. You know, you might have been involved in community sport and, and now you're involved in Saturday sport with your school. What sorts of sports do you remember playing? Were there some you know, new opportunities or do you, did you stick with what you knew? Oh, there were plenty of new opportunities, but um, uh, I have to confess I was, not, uh, uh, I was oh. not endowed with any sporting prowess. And um, I, I think at one stage, I was I think in year seven at least, I was playing in the, the C team of the basketball team. Um, I played a little bit of volleyball. Uh, I played a little bit of tennis. Uh, there used to be tennis coaching. Um, down off the driveway there. There used to be tennis courts that there was tennis coaching offered. So that was something that I was already doing before I started at Yarra. So um, I took the opportunity to do some tennis while I was there as well. Um, but no, uh, sport, uh, the sporting um, aspects of the school were probably not my strongest suit. So so if I offered you the opportunity to, to have a 30-second brag about a moment where you changed the game, you maybe you served an ace to win the match. Maybe you... Maybe you uh, I don't know, kicked a goal after the siren. Was, was there a moment? And you can you can be as creative as you like in your retelling. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to disappoint you, Paul, because I don't recall any of those moments. And if okay. I was going to be creative, it would be purely creative. So I'd, I'd probably disappoint you, I'm afraid. I, I, was, you I, mentioned- was, I was more interested in other things like... Um, uh, I did um, join the debating team um, and had, mm. had had a small degree of success there. Um, but I, and so I was interested in other aspects of school life, not so much the sporting side. But look, having said that, the sporting aspects of the school are fabulous, and um, so many of my my my, uh, my still close friends they really took advantage of a lot of that, um, whether it be athletics, swimming, um, tennis, etc. So um, it was very obvious that the sporting side of the school was very strong. Mm, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Tell me then, let's let's go into debating because often, and I remember when I was at school, people get encouraged us to to have a go at debating. Now, in hindsight, looking back on your debating, let's call it a a career or at least that exploration, what are the benefits? Like if if you've got a a group of young people that you're you're speaking with today and and you want to say debating, why would you encourage people to have a go at debating? I think it's um, multifaceted. Um, one is, uh, I think it engenders a certain amount of confidence in you to, um, in speaking to a room full of people. Um, it encourages you to be uh, creative in your thinking and how to structure um, an argument. Uh, it allows you to develop teamwork uh, because you are working with others. Um, so all of those things, I think, means that you really do learn those skills and um, or if you've already got some of those skills to develop them further and it's just something you take for the rest of your life um, as, as you go through whatever you end up doing with yourself uh, so look it was a it was a great experience um, it was really well encouraged at the school um, 
Having said that, um, uh, there were a few of us that had to fight tooth and nail to get into the debating team because it was quite popular. Um, but I don't need, probably don't need to go into the detail about how all that transpired. But uh, so, but look, it's a, it was an excellent experience, and uh, yeah, we had some good wins. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the people on that team have gone on to do uh, fabulous things. Like I think you've you've interviewed some of them as part of your podcast series that have gone on to do really fabulous things. Mm. I'm I'm curious, and we we'll go there in a moment as to what you're doing, you know, in terms of work when, when you left Yarra and, and then maybe we'll come back to how did debating help you and that, that teamwork and, and creative thinking and so forth. Tell me then, if sport wasn't your thing at Yarra, what what was your thing in terms of academic? Where, where did you kind of start to head towards? What did you enjoy doing? Was it Were you art and drama? Were you maths and science? Were you humanities? And, I mean, they're general terms but was there an, an area academically that you kind of were drawn to yeah absolutely um i was always directed towards the the humanities side um uh i finished maths in uh year 11 uh simply because it, it became very clear i didn't need it um to to do what i wanted to do um so very much focused on the humanities so the subjects that i enjoyed and um uh, ended up doing in year 12 were things like obviously english but um, history revolutions, legal studies, uh, English literature, um, psychology, um, those sorts of subjects. And so um, I was, I was uh, one, they, they uh, allowed me to uh, tick the boxes that I needed to tick in year 12, um, but also it was just the area that I really enjoyed. And particularly in year 12, um, English literature, I just found to be a, a fabulous subject. Um, I uh, grabbed it with both hands learnt a lot. Um, uh, uh, we had a teacher at the time, um, Annette Gitz. Um, she really encouraged um, our creativity, um, uh, really delving into the text and really learning to enjoy it, um, which you know, I 100% acknowledge that that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but um, look, it was, a, it was probably my favourite subject. Mm, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So at some point you whether you're at school at this point or not, but at some point you start thinking, okay, I, I, humanities is, is a strength of mine. I'm going to start choosing subjects in that domain. You would have done probably the first year of VCE and you come out of VCE and you have some sort of a number and whatever number that was. What happened next? Did you get the number you were aiming for and then what happened next? Yeah, we, we were the first of the VCE, but it was still a hybrid. I think it was like, it was the half year sort of. Um, so we had some unusual score that I think it was out of like 164 or something unusual. Um, uh, in terms of how I performed in year 12, did I get the score that I wanted? The short answer is probably no. If I had have been the year earlier, I would have trumped what I needed. Um, that year, no. Um, and I was uh, disappointed but then um, I didn't get the university of my choice, but I did end up going to university and doing the course I wanted to do. Um, and for a variety of reasons, that just turned out to be absolutely right. And, um, and, uh, and we can, you, you can ask as many questions as you want later, but um, uh, university for me generated a lot of success, um, but not only in the university course itself, but uh, it was definitely the right thing for me. And I look back on my university days now thinking that um, it was one of those sliding doors moments effectively. And it just, I thought at the time, 
it was uh, not going to work out, but it ended up um, on reflection. It certainly did. That's awesome. And and that's that's the story I want to delve into a little deeper because we're, we're recording this towards the end of the year. VCE Year 12 exams are right on right now. Um, it's a stressful time. Um, I think too often we focus too much on a number because that evidently is going to be a pathway or a, a door into the next thing. Increasingly, there are options and you acknowledge there's some disappointment around not getting the number, but it actually turned out okay. Was it was it some guidance from home? Was it some encouragement from your friends? Was it a, a, a personal resilience? How did you show up to whatever university you went to with still the, the notion that I'm still going to do my best here, even well, though it's not what I first wanted? Look, it was really difficult. I, I can't. I won't shy away from that. It was a very difficult decision. It required me to uh, move away from home. Um, mm, okay. Okay. Uh, right. I remember um, enrolling on enrollment day, uh, thinking, "Look, I'll enrol, but this might not work not for me. This. I don't. You know, yeah. Do I really want to do this and move away from family, away from friends?" Um, I did it anyway, and uh, again, first year, I thought I'd made the biggest mistake. Um, of my life to that point, uh, considered dropping out. Um, Actually, uh, uh, I remember going to the local police station and asking for a form to join the police force. Um, The constable across the counter told me I was crazy if that's what I wanted to do. And um, so I persevered and got through first year, uh, did okay. And then after that, I never really looked back. Um, It was the the right decision, Um, uh, typical finding your feet sort of story in university, um, building a new friendship group, uh, uh, finding out what, what you want to do um, socially, um, uh, moving away from home, all of those sorts of things. And it, it did take me, it took me 12 months, uh, but got there in the end. Yeah, and, and look, to, to, I, I would think 12 months is quick to, to cope with all of the things that have happened in that period of time. Um, to f- land on your feet. And, and I love the, the notion that you're starting to seriously explore other options even within that. Um, would you tell us where you ended up? Like when you say you've moved away from home, where, where are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, oh, no, no I'm not just, now, I, I, but then. Where, so, where did you go? Um, I grew, obviously grew up in Melbourne, lived in Wonga Park near the school, and um, I had to move to Geelong. I went to Deakin University, um, which, you know, it's not a, a, a massive trial, but Geelong's a very different city. Um, it's a city, though, that... I grew incredibly fond of. I still have a soft spot for it. Um, in the um, recent grand final, uh, Geelong is my second team. I count as my second team, so I was thrilled that they got uh, the job done. Um, and I, I really had a fabulous experience down there in Geelong. Um, in actual fact, um, the course I did was a five-year course. Uh, we were directed that we had to come back and do our fifth year at Burwood. And by that stage, I was really disappointed. I didn't want to move away from my fifth year. I wanted to complete my degree in Geelong. Um, but came back and did fifth year um, in Burwood, which mean, meant moving back home, which was uh, not, again, what I necessarily wanted to do. But um, it comes back to that, what I was describing earlier, that it did work out in the end. Um, but uh, at the, uh, going back to results day, um, I thought, you know, the, the, the world had necess- maybe imploded and uh, I wasn't going to achieve what I wanted to achieve. But in the end, um, if, with a little bit of perseverance, uh, got there. So that was, I, that's I the love thing. that. 
I love that that story, that full circle. That and again, coming back to the notion of yes, there'll be disappointments. Yes, you'll be knocked out, knocked down sometimes. Yes, it won't all go the way you want it to. And even when you're four four years down the track, then a decision that's enforced on you still didn't go the way you wanted it to, but you still show up, you still do your best. You talk about resilience, you talk about, you know, doing your best, whatever the circumstance, and it, it turns out okay. So what course did you do and what did that lead to? Okay, so I went and did a double degree in commerce and law um, at Deakin University. Uh, I always wanted to be uh, a, a law student, always wanted to become a lawyer. Um, so not getting into one of the Melbourne universities, Melbourne or Monash, it was, um, yeah, it was very, very difficult. Um, but the course at Deakin was really good. Um, uh, coming into uh, my final year, um, I got an offer to join a firm uh, which was not a law firm, uh, but it was uh, one of what was then the big five accounting firms, um, a firm called Arthur Anderson. Um, had about 80,000 people worldwide. It was a fabulous firm. Um, so I started with them. Uh, I was with them for four years. Uh, Arthur Anderson, unfortunately, um, uh, came to an early demise uh, with some auditing practices that were going on for one of their clients in the US. And so that really um, uh, inspired me to think about, well, do I still want to continue in this field? Um, and that would have meant um, joining uh, Ernst & Young here in Australia because that, uh, those two firms merged in Australia. Um, but instead, I, um, I wanted to get my practicing certificate as a lawyer. And so um, I interviewed with the firm that I'm currently with now in 2002. So I've been there for 20 years. Um, and I'm still a practicing practicing lawyer. Wow, that's fantastic. So practicing lawyer for you day to day, what does that look like? Because we've got some aspiring lawyers that you've 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 worked hard at uni, you've done your fifth year, you've you know you, you've you've had some work experience. What does it look like today, 20 years down the track? Um, it's a hard game. Um, it's a very, very difficult um, profession, um, but it's incredibly rewarding. Uh, you work with uh, some fabulous uh, people who are at the top of their game, experts in their field. Um, uh, comes back to what we were talking earlier about debating, uh, you know, people who think creatively, interested in solving a problem, creating an argument, um, defending an argument. Um, it's, uh, it's about problem solving. Um, so for all of those reasons, it's incredibly rewarding. But it, you know, it is—it's a difficult game. It's hard—it's hard work. Um, you're obviously dealing with people all the time, and um, with that, in any profession, um, it, it comes uh, challenges. Um, so, look, I—I I, I keep when I when we interview um, graduate lawyers, I keep telling them that um, I'm, I do what I do because I don't know how to do anything else anymore. I'm stuck. Um, but uh, look, for, I'm, I'm lucky in a sense that it is, an, it's a rewarding career. Yes, and and maybe maybe I'm stretching it too far. You mentioned before the word success. Um, you've just men mentioned reward. Um, you said success because of your choices and decisions around university and and the path that that ended up taking you down. You were successful at university. What what does success mean? What does it look like? What, what what's your version of success? I think too many people tend to um, measure success by things like remuneration. Um, I think that's a mistake. Uh, I think success is setting yourself a goal 
um, or a series of goals. Um, uh, we've got, all got more than one and um, striving to achieve that goal. And if you achieve that goal, I think you've succeeded. And it doesn't need to be a lofty, um, it doesn't need to be the end game kind of goal. Um, the easiest thing to do is set goals along the way and try to achieve them as milestones. And um, if you achieve, if you are successful in achieving those milestones, then you'll end up where you want to be. Um, so, look, I, 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 as I said, I think the people, I think too often measure success by money or remuneration. I think that's a mistake. I think you have to look at a broader, the broader picture of what success means. And that can be in your career, it can be um, in family, um, it can be uh, like we were talking about earlier, it can be like being comfortable and successful and having a great group of friends around you. Um, so I think it, it, you need to be more well-rounded when you're trying to measure success. Mm, mm. I, I agree 100%. I've recently, in fact, earlier today was talking to a, a middle school assembly and, and we were really focusing on community and the importance of supporting one another and cheering each other on and, and, and being there to hold one another and, and help each other up if, if things go wrong. And so that value of friendship and connection and support around us. Community service, we nowadays call it community links. What we try and do is have our students look beyond themselves. And there's a number of activities that we do regularly. Um, and, and I'm not sure whether any of these ring true to you. But, for example, the 40-hour famine, um, we do the, the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal. That's a, a big event on our community links calendar. Was supporting or contributing to the community something that you experienced while you were at Yarra? And if so, has that, I guess, that, that idea, that, that notion of supporting others, has that kind of become part of your journey as well? Yeah, um, I suppose now that you mentioned it, it I, on reflection, it has. Um, yes, the, um, at Yarra Valley, uh, there were all sorts of programs um, that you could participate in to um, uh, uh, go out into the community and um, do um, uh, site visits. And um, um, uh, I know that there were, there used to be, I don't know where it's still there. There was, um, and I don't even know if this is the right term to use anymore, but there was a, um, a, a, a disability support centre um, that we used to go to and um, uh, and and just basically be there and talk to the, the residents there. Um, so that was um, a good way, I think, of contributing something to the community. But I suppose... It is something that I have carried on a little bit. I'm a board member on a children's charity. Um, uh, so that that's um, a fabulous thing to be able to contribute to in, 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 a, in a small way. But um, we talked about friends before. As you go through life, um, a lot of your friends, uh, they have um, challenges of their own and difficulties. Um, and I've always tried to be someone who's supportive of those friends and make sure that you can uh, be there for them, help out where you can. Um, and... You know, some of that comes back uh, as well. So uh, as long as you contribute, but you also, um, you reap the rewards as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We're speaking with Reese Jewell from the class of 1992. Reese, you mentioned earlier how much you loved uh, literature and you pursued the humanities. You are a, clearly a, a great speaker and a good storyteller. Tell us a little bit about reading, the importance of reading, the value of reading. Were you a reader when you were young, did that help? How, how? Tell me about reading because we're currently in, in education, we're hearing more and more and more about the importance of developing a positive approach to reading. 
And I'm just curious as to your experience of school and maybe even now. And you're laughing at me. I'm I not am. Sure. I'll, I'll approach <laughs> this in a few different ways. So um, I, I enjoyed reading at school simply because I did um, like uh, uh, the English literature um, subject and those like it. So I, I enjoyed reading those um, sorts of uh, texts. Um, I've always had to read um, as part of my job. Uh, so uh, there's a, that's quite intensive, um, whether it's reading uh, legislation or um, uh, decisions from the courts, etc. It's it's quite intensive. So. Um, the natural inclination is to, well, when you're not at work, you won't read. Um, and uh, But I've tried not to do that and I've continued reading, but I read a couple of different things. Um, I'm a, a, a devoted petrol head. Um, I love okay. uh, motoring. And so I read um, a lot of um, material about cars and cars in general. But I also read, um, I don't read fiction. Um, I've steered away from fiction. I don't tend to do that as much anymore, but I um, am an avid reader of uh, biographies and autobiographies. So um, just uh, the, the, the one that I've just picked up is um, uh, a, a, a biography about Winston Churchill. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to get into that. Um, I've been reading about um, Henry Lawson. Um, so that's what interests me now, but it's interesting you say the debate that you're having about um, reading at school, it's the debate we have in our own household and you, uh, it's, it's difficult to win um, uh, on that front. Um, my children have never been uh, or tended to be natural readers. Um, it's something that we've always tried to instill in them that you must do it. And um, uh, it's about building vocabulary. It's about um, uh, understanding how you structure um, uh, arguments or um, uh, any sorts of text. It's, it, it, there's so many benefits to come out of it that I, my, my, my suggestion to my kids has always been just find something you enjoy reading. Um, uh, and if, if you can find something that you enjoy reading, then it will c come more naturally. So from my, from, you know, from my example, again, um, I just, I've gravitated towards biographies and motoring and that's mm. what I enjoy reading. So it's, it, yeah, comes, it comes right. easily. And I, I agree. I think that's the key is finding whatever it is, whether it's magazine even. It, it could be comic books. It could be, you know, short novels. It could be fact or fiction. I, I agree. I think just find something that grabs you. It's going to be a good investment in the long term to expand your mind, your thinking, your creativity and to hear stories and, and not necessarily to be able to remember everything that you read, but it, it, it impacts you at the time. And, uh, and, and I think it expands your your understanding of maybe of the world whether that's the real world or the imagined world it, it's still helpful and useful exercise for our mind yeah i want to um head towards a, a part of our conversation that i i like not too many other people call it this but i like to call it the lightning round where i'm going to throw a couple of quick fire questions at you and uh, and it might be you know one word answers it might be the tip of your tongue or it might be a sentence or two um strap yourself in reese jewel from the class of 1992 for the lightning round strapped in what house were you in plumber. at Yarra valley grammar plumber and were plumber any good uh no, typically no, but we were ferocious. We were um, passionate. What was your contribution to Plumber? I cheered very, very loudly, and I think I even made it into a couple of the photographs in the Yarra Valley magazine uh, standing poolside. <laughs> okay, but, but prefer not to be in the pool? Um, I didn't mind swimming, but I wasn't particularly good at it. I wasn't fast enough. 
Is there a music or a drama performance that you were either in or that you were in the audience for that uh, that rings a bell? Yep. In year seven, I performed in the seminal performance of Boots and All, um, which was, uh, was in a locker room scene. And I was also uh, it briefly in A Streetcar Named Desire in 1992. Oh, yes. Yeah, good work. Good work. Um, how did you travel to school? Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a lift from my father who was going to work early in the mornings, but that meant I was the first one at school, me and one other boy. So what happens then? Do you get to know that boy well or do you read news news bulletin boards around the place? No, I got to know him well. And the interesting thing was we didn't really socialise with one another other than uh, just being together at first at school. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the kids on the bus say a similar thing. They travel on the bus. They've got their bus friends. They don't have much to do with them other than when they're travelling on the bus. And so you're quite right. Circumstance brought the two of you together and you're probably meeting a need for each other in that moment. Um, But then the rest of the day you get on with other things with other people. That's fair enough. Tell us a little bit about what you might find in your lunchbox regularly. Uh, at school, um, that's that's easy. It was the same every day. My father made my lunch and it was a ham, cheese and sweet mustard pickle sandwich on white bread. Okay, and and you were happy to have that, or there was no choice anyway. Oh, I still sometimes have that same sandwich. Um, I still quite enjoy it, um, but I was often jealous of those that ate at the tuck shop every day. Yes, yes. Um, do you remember going to the uh, the tuck shop? And what was uh, what what was a treat? What was something that you would definitely want to get? Well, in season, I would, I would. I don't know if it's seasonal now, but I always used to gravitate towards the dim sims, and they used to also sell a four and twenty chicken pie, which I thought was pretty good. Okay, the chicken pie—that's nice. Tomato sauce on your pie? Absolutely. Even though it's a chicken pie, I'd still put sauce <laughs> yeah. on it. I agree. I agree. Um, You'll—I'm fascinated to hear your response to this, and I'm going to actually turn this into two parts of the question. Firstly, what was your first car? Oh, Revhead? Uh, my f- well, uh, this is interesting. But my first car I had when I was 16, it was a 1970 144 Volvo, uh, but um, I actually sold it before I got my P-plates. And so my first car, it was really um, a Ford Escort. Oh, okay, the little Escort. And did you uh, did you tweak it up a little bit? Did you put a big speaker box in the back somewhere? I did put uh, speakers on the parcel shelf, and I put a. Uh, it's, it's again, it sounds strange now. I put a digital radio in it, which was pretty fancy at the time. Um, and I was lucky enough that I turned eighteen um, in October, so I got to drive to school and park at school um, for a little while before the end of the year. Very nice, very nice. Did you have a nickname when you're at school? No, not while I was at school, um, or. It was either at school or shortly thereafter, but it was penned um, for me by my school friends. Okay. Can you share it? <laughs> no, it's going to sound silly. <laughs> okay. That's, a, that's okay. Um, the part two of the car question that I'm curious about, what's what's the uh, car that, whether it's a car you drive or a car that's uh, kept tucked away in the garage now? Um, yeah, it's quite a contrast. Um, so my, I've got two cars. Uh, one is a um, uh, the original series MX-5 Roadster. Um, oh. So that's that's parked in the garage and comes out on sunny days. Uh, but my daily driver is a um, I drive a new Jeep Wrangler. Nice, nice. And is that because you like to get out back, or you live? Uh, out in the bush or is it uh, because that's a that's an interesting commuter car is it yeah it is um 
Uh, I bought it primarily because you can still take the roof off it. Um, uh, I do like the convertible, uh, but it's also come in very handy. We've got a small place up in the country, and so um, on the country roads, it's it's very, very good. Uh, but I mentioned travelling with school friends earlier. Um, we've taken to, tra- to going to Robe with a bunch of people. We all went to school together, and the Jeep goes very well in the sand dunes and on the beach. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, do you have a favourite piece of clothing in your wardrobe? I actually thought about this for another reason the other day. I tend to wear, I think I've got too many hoodies. Um, I seem to live in hoodies. Maybe it's also uh, part of uh, coming out of the pandemic where we all got very comfortable living at home. Um, I wear too many hoodies, I think. (laughs) Do you have a memorable moment when you think of your time at Yarra? Is there a speaker that you heard? Was there a performance that you watched? Was there a, a, a maths test that you worked really hard and you nailed it? A, a moment that comes to mind when you think of a positive experience at Yarra? Yeah, I think it comes back to English literature, though. Um, uh, I was really trying to work hard at my creative writing and I spent some time with Annette Gitz in developing some of that skill and I wrote um, uh, a piece that ended up winning uh, the, the award that year for the, I can't remember the name of the publication, but it was a, a publication that had um, um, art and um, poetry and um, uh, stories, etc. in it and I won the Creative Writing Award that year. So um, I, I was pretty pleased because I worked really, really hard um, to, to develop that and um, yeah, it paid off. Terrific. In all your work, maybe your professional work, your community work, your travel, who's the, the, the most famous person that you've met that would uh, that left an impression on you? Somebody that we might recognise. <laughs> goes back a little while, but I was standing in the hardware shop in Camberwell once and um, um, I met Jeff Kennett. And um, I had lit- I'd, coming back to biographies, I literally just read his biography and I told him that. Uh, I said, I've just finished reading your biography. And he said to me, don't believe any of it. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> so, uh, so that, that was memorable. Um, I also remember meeting Peter Costello um, once while he was still treasurer. Um, and uh, he was very keen to tell me that um, in this day and age, nobody pays tax anymore because uh, he's fixed it all. But um, I'm not sure he'd actually believe that. <laughs> <laughs> comes from good stock though the Costello boys and 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 daughter as well um tell me are you a cook do you like to cook what's what would be a, a meal in fact thanks for inviting me up to your uh, your little farm you're <laughs> in charge of the meal what are we going to eat um I tend to only cook really one thing and I'm lucky that the family likes eating it I, I um I cook a um a curry uh, and I tend to uh, do a beef madras very nice, very nice. Let's go with the, the curry and uh, take me out of the equation, but you can invite three people, whether they may be from books that you've read or people that you've met. Three people are coming to dinner. Who, who would you like to have, dead or alive? Um, I would like to meet Elon Musk. Um, so Elon Musk should come along. Now, that would probably be controversial at this, at right now. Um, I'm not on Twitter, but I do follow him in the press, so he would be interesting to... To have come along, I'd always thought I'd like to meet Clint Eastwood. Uh, I'm a bit of a fan of uh, of a lot of 
his movies. And then uh, one more, um, I'd probably bring one along, one of my school friends along just so that they can share the experience. Oh, that's great. Though. I like that. Do you recall who were the school captains back in 1992? Uh, there was um, Jeremy McVean, I think, and I can't remember who the uh, the girls' captain was now. Now, if I was any good at this, I would be able to fill in the gaps here, but I will put it in the uh, the show notes. Yeah, I'm going to say it was. Um, no, escapes me. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to mention a name that's not 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 right, so I won't. So, sometimes not mentioning any name is is a wiser way to go. Fair enough. That's good. That's good. Um, is there a travel destination, either one you have been to or one that is on the bucket list that, that you might uh, share with us that, uh, that you might recommend? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, been to, I've been to Italy and I've been to Paris, but only really, uh, uh, and France, but only really for work. So I'd really like to go back to um, Italy and France and spend some, a decent amount of time there. Mm. But I really would like to do it out in the regions, not in the main cities. I'd find a villa. Uh, live like a local, uh, eat like a local. That's what I'd like to do. Fantastic, fantastic. Do you have a, a, a it might be daily, but a, a habit, a ritual, something that helps you to be your best, whether it's a, a morning routine, whether it's um, exercise or there's a particular um, way you like you put to put your socks on? Is there a, a, something that is part of your rhythm that helps you be at your best? Yeah, I, I do. I think in the mornings on a work day, I have a pretty set routine. I like to get into the office early. So I'm, I'm at my desk by 7.30. Um, uh, and I like to, um, as I walk through the foyer of a build, the building, grab a cup of coffee, sit at my desk, um, sort, my, sort my day out, uh, know what I'm doing. Uh, it's the time when the phone isn't, isn't ringing. Um, you can get a lot of that thinking done before the, the, the real rigor of the day starts. So I, I think that's probably, it's pretty, it's pretty set routine. It doesn't really change much um, um, on a work day. Mm. You mentioned before goal setting and, and, and most of us have numerous goals. What's, what's something that kind of lights you up, perhaps outside of work, but something that, that you're engaged with at the moment, something you're aiming for that, that you're willing to share with us, something that's on the horizon that maybe, maybe you're getting close? Yeah, um, I just want to see the kids, my kids get through school. and My, my success, I think, will be um, partly generated by their success. I, I want to see them succeed and give them the support that they need to succeed um, at school. Um, my daughter is uh, going into year 12 next year. Um, she's done her first year 12 subject this year. She had a first year 12 exam last week. Um, so I'm really, I feel like we're close with at least one of the children to uh, achieving what she wants to achieve out of school. And so um, I think that will, uh, if, if she can achieve that, I think uh, my wife and I, I think we've succeeded in, in part as well. Um, so we're cl I, you, you said something that's close. Um, I feel like it's getting close now um, that she's really um, achieving something. So I think we're succeeding as well. Yes. And I know for for our kids, it feels like it's a long time. But as we, you and I, as we get older, we look back and it just, it goes so fast. Their, their journey through school and yes there's there's tough moments and of course there's challenges 
But uh, my son too, he's finishing year 12 now. He's got uh, two exams to go. And so it is a, a high pressure time, but it's also, I agree, not that our, our job as a parent, I don't think it ever finishes, but no. it, it's, a, it's a big milestone for sure. It is, it is. And so it, it, it's something that yeah, we're looking forward to her um, uh, hopefully uh, achieving what she wants to achieve. And she's been very clear in what she wants to do. So um, we just need to support her in achieving that. Yes. Reese, you've been uh, terrific with your time and uh, and your storytelling, and I've enjoyed you tripping around in in, in all different parts. And and you you because maybe let's put it back to your debating and your interest in reading. You you can speak about all sorts of different topics, and I've really enjoyed that. So thank you. Um, just got a couple of quick questions just to to round us out, if if I could. You're a parent. You're a well educated and successful uh, lawyer. I want to think about advice, whether we say advice to uh, fellow late 40-year-olds or whether it's advice to young people today. What's the best advice you've received that you would then pass on? Um, I think it comes back to the goal setting, to be honest, Paul. I think um, I would just encourage um, anybody, and I I do this with um, uh, the staff at work uh, and my kids, uh, is to... Just identify what it is that really interests you. Um, and if it interests you and it's something that you also enjoy, that's a bonus. Um, and set out just going for it, but you need to break it up into its component parts and make sure that you do actually know what do you need to achieve along the way to get to your ultimate goal. Um, and if you break it into its component parts, it it doesn't seem as insurmountable as it might um, when you begin. So that's the advice that I would give to um, uh, the lawyers that I work with. Um, it's advice that I try to give to my children. Um, and I don't know, I think it's that, that way you can, it, it comes back to that idea of measuring your own success. Uh, and you can, if, it's in, if you've broken it down, you can measure it pretty easily about how you're traveling. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they, they do say what, what's what matters if you measure it, then you can keep a track on it and, and keep it moving forward for sure. A couple of questions to round us back to our your experience of Yarra. Um, this is called the Inspired by Yarra podcast. I wonder if if you could reflect on who or what inspired you during your time at Yarra. Yeah, I've mentioned her name before, but um, I think uh – in being in class with Annette Gitz was quite inspiring. Um, she had a, a very clear passion for the subject that she was teaching. Um, she really tried to bring us along that journey with her. Um, we had a great selection of texts that we were looking at, whether it be um, uh, poetry or or a Shakespeare or whatever it might have been. Um, so that was that was quite inspiring. Um, but I think also to just the our year level, I think was quite inspiring as a collective. Um, you know, obviously had people from all walks of life interested in all manner of different things. But a lot of the time, and it wasn't always um, always a, wasn't always the most pleasant of experiences. But most of the time, I think that you could gravitate between different um, uh, social groups, um, and uh, you, you could build your own shared experience as you went through uh, the, the school together. So I think that was inspiring too. It's probably not a person, but it's as a collective. And 
Um, part of it was um, uh, realised when we went to the 30-year reunion this year that you, you met people that uh, you didn't necessarily spend an incredible amount of time with while you were at school, but you knew them very well still um, because you were all in it together. Yeah. It, it's so important, isn't it, to, to make, I, I guess, to tell our young people today, to the people that you do associate with, and some of it's by choice, some of it's by circumstance, but that they are people who, who are travelling the journey or at least part of the journey with you. And, and I guess the way we treat one another really matters, the way that we want to show up for one another. It really matters. And uh, my... I guess my message to, to young people today a lot is to to take care of those around you and uh, and as you take care of them, they'll in turn take care of you and together you'll grow and build and, and march forward. And uh, I, I, the, the people that we're doing life with really matters, no doubt. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I mean it, there's always challenges. You get a group of um, uh, teenagers together um, at any any time and there's always challenges and there's um, uh, there's difficulties and there's... Um, uh, difficulties in how you interact with one another, and sometimes um, uh, you're not proud of it, but you're not as good. You're not as good to someone else that you um, would have perhaps, on reflection, liked to have been. But um, that's part of the shared experience. Um, that's school life. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to bring us back to our, our final question, and it's a two-part question, and it is to do with school life, and and it's a phrase I, I wonder if you're familiar with, and it's it's. It's actually our school motto, Lavavi Oculus. Do you recall what does that mean? And part two, what does that mean? Um, if I remember correctly, I think it's lift up thine eyes or something like that. Spot on, yes. Um, I think that there, there used to be a tack on to that, uh, lift up thine eyes unto the hills or, or something along those lines. Yeah, our, I, our school psalm, the beginning of our school psalm is eye to the hills will lift my eyes. So, you yes, you, you've... Pulled it all in there. That's good memory from 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I suppose, one, you could, you could look at it from a geographical point of view, um, but I, I think you probably have to look beyond that. And um, I think it is, um, it's probably something more to do with um, uh, don't be so focused on what's just in front of you, but lift up your eyes, look around and um, see what else is there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And as we go through life, the more we're observant and, and outward focused, um, the, the I guess the more enriching life will be. I've uh, tricked you a couple of times. I said this is my last question and, and I've got another one for you if I could. Um, but this will be my last question and uh, and you have been generous with your time and I appreciate it. Um, what's the what's the question or the topic that you thought I might or you wished I did ask you? What's the one question you're burning to answer? Uh, I and didn't, then can you answer that question? I didn't have any preconceived ideas, Paul. Um, I was just happy to have a conversation with you and um, and go where the conversation took us. Uh, I didn't really have anything in mind. I came in with an open mind. It's a pretty good way to show up. And I think uh, as people are listening to this now, they'll agree that uh, this has been a, a, an enriching and enlightening conversation. I really appreciate your, your time. And as I mentioned before, your, your storytelling, your perspective. And I think sometimes it does take a few years after leaving a school to turn back and then appreciate all the goodness that it gave you, the foundation that it laid for you, uh, the people that you've travelled with and, and by the sounds of it, continue to travel with. And I think that's a, a really powerful part of what a school like Yarra uh, can offer. 
Thank you for your time. Thanks for your storytelling. Reese Jewell from the class of 1992, we really appreciate you. Thank you for being inspired by Yarra. And in some ways, maybe like through this podcast, you're an inspiration to Yarra. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for your time. Well, that wraps up what I think is a fascinating conversation with Reese. Thank you, Reese, for your storytelling, as I mentioned a couple of times, for your perspective that sometimes a couple of years away from school and a bit of life lived uh, affords us. If I just quickly circle back to the captains of 1992, school captains, Jeremy McVean, as uh, as Reese correctly remembered, but also Kristen Collins uh, was our female school captain of the day. I thank you for tuning in for this episode and maybe you've had a chance to explore some of the other episodes too. Uh, we've got a always growing library of conversations that we've had with our yogs on this Inspired by Yarra podcast and we would be thrilled if you would maybe give a rating and review if you haven't already done so and you can do that within your podcast player and or maybe there's somebody that you know would recall Reese and uh, some of his antics whether they were part of the debating team with him whether maybe they were part of one of his sports teams or whatever it might be I wonder whether you would consider uh, sending this on passing this episode on to somebody else who you know would benefit from it. Yarra Old Grammarians are encouraged to look us up on LinkedIn and join the group Yarra Old Grammarians Connect to stay in touch with the wider Yog community. I hope you'll join us again next episode when we'll sit down again with another Yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian, and see how they also have been impacted and influenced and inspired by Yarra Valley Grammar. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, including the small but committed team of people who bring these stories to you each episode, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you head on out there into the challenge and the adventure of this day with the intention of making a positive impact in the world around you. Mm-hmm.